Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb be praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, be to our God forever and ever, be to our God forever and ever, amen. And we, the redeemed, shall be strong in purpose and in unity, declaring aloud praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, be to our God forever and ever, be to our God forever and ever, amen. Be to our God forever and ever, be to our God forever and ever, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome. We are so glad you have chosen to worship with us this morning. We are particularly glad if you're visiting with us. I'm Don Witt, and on behalf of the elders, we want to welcome you. Uh, to Preston Crest. It is a great day. We're glad that uh, we have the freedom to do this sort of thing. If you're visiting with us, there's a card in the back of the pew in front of you. If you wouldn't mind filling that out so that we will know you are here, you can put that in the box in the foyer. You can give it to me or any of the elders or any of the staff. Uh, we are just thankful that you're here. If it's your first time here, take it to the welcome desk, and they've got a little gift for you. So we are particularly glad you've chosen to be with us. Members, if you wouldn't mind checking in online by che texting the word check-in to the number on the screen, 469-476-5331, we would appreciate that. I've got several announcements this morning that I need to get to, but I do want to take the opportunity to say thank you on behalf of our family for all the notes, cards, calls, texts uh, in the passing of my father. Uh, it is amazing what a support you have in this family. And those that go through it without a church home, I don't know how they make it. So thank you very much for that on behalf of our family. Today is a big day for PCYG, our Preston Crest Youth Group. Today is the Fajita Fundraiser. You have the opportunity to support our youth group by having lunch in the fellowship hall today. 
If you would, stick around and join them. That is a big fundraiser that goes towards missions this summer. They're going on two mission trips, one going to Guatemala, one going to inner city, Oklahoma City. And this is a, goes a long way towards helping support that. If you can't stay for lunch, they have takeout. You can still buy food and go take it with you. If you can't stay for lunch and don't want takeout, they'll take your check nonetheless. So we would encourage you to support this opportunity to make sure that those kids have a great trip this summer. Next item that we wanted to talk about is um, purpose cards. Every year we invite our members to commit to working with this church and supporting it financially. This is an exercise that we feel is important for us to be able to commit to this church and giving a portion of that which we've been blessed back to this church and to the kingdom. You can do that online, and we would encourage you to do that. This is the last week that you'll be able to do that. That will be taken down off the webpage this week. So we would ask that you take the time to do that. It certainly uh, helps us uh, as well. We've mentioned for several weeks the 50th anniversary that's coming up, March 27th. Now we're going to put some meat on the bone. It is actually going to start at 10 o'clock. There are going to be no classes that day. We're going to have one service. It's all going to be here. We're going to have a full crowd, so we hope that you will get here and get here early. They're going to provide lunch. It's a catered lunch at 11.30 after that, and we would invite all of you to attend that. So be sure and spread the word to past members, and we would encourage them to uh, join us. It's going to be a bit great day of celebration, thanking the Lord for what he has done for this church over the last 50 years. We also want to take time this morning to be mindful of those in the Ukraine. There are a great number of souls who are being affected by the acts of uh, aggression, and we are going to pray about that in a moment. But we pray that you all will also be mindful of them in your personal prayers. As we begin our worship this morning, we're going to read from Hebrews. Chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Father in heaven, as the writer of Hebrews says, we approach you with confidence, knowing that you love us, Father, that you hear us, and that your grace flows over us. What an amazing assurance that you provide us of salvation. Not one that was casually granted, Father, but one that was bought and paid for with the blood and suffering of your one and only Son. What a completely unmerited and incomparable gift you give us. And we're mindful today of another gift, a very great gift, Father, that you have given us, and that's the gift of living in this country and the subsequent freedom that that provides us to worship without fear of consequence or oppression. So we lift up the citizens of Ukraine and recognize the stark contrast of their reality to ours. We pray that the voices of discernment and peaceful solutions may prosper. And God, we ask that you will raise up peacemakers on all sides to quickly end this conflict. 
Father, we pray for the churches and the nations involved and that they can be a salt and light in a very dark situation. God in heaven, it is now our privilege and joy to praise you. And we pray that you will accept our worship in song, in prayer, in communion, and the study of your word. And we ask, God, that you will transform us to make us more and more like you. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, Don. We fall down, we lay down, and the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love, and the feet Hey. 
sing one more song as we are entering into this time of communion. And then Joshua, Joshua Songer is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my Yeah. 
Good morning. I'm Joshua Songer. Uh, some of you know me, but many do not. Uh, since we're discussing belonging today, I thought I would share my story of belonging with you this morning. I grew up in this church. It was in these pews that I attended, that I uh, learned the gospel and the hymns that we sing. Uh, I was baptized right there. Uh, and we celebrated my mother's life here after she lost her battle with cancer. Uh, when I was 15, we moved away, and since then I've attended a lot of good churches, some great churches, but I never felt like I truly belonged uh, to any of those churches. When our son was born, um, we made our faith a priority, and we began joining Preston Crest churches online from Houston. After a few months, it was easy to convince Kelly, it had not been prior to that, to move to Dallas. Uh, since moving here, many things haven't worked out the way that we hoped. But one thing that has worked out better than we could have dreamed was joining you all here. You welcomed my family home with open arms, and many of you shared precious stories about my mother with us. We're so happy to be home and for William to grow up in this family. More recently, a couple weeks ago, I fell ill and was hospitalized. My fam this family came alive with prayers and support for us in a way for which I cannot fully express my gratitude. Last week, Gordon mentioned the importance of our small groups and Bible study classes. While Kelly was still in the ER driveway, which because of COVID, she couldn't come in with William, it's a whole thing. Um, she shared what was happening to me, or to us, with our Bible class. Uh, before she was able to get back home, countless people had offered to watch William, to bring us food, to run errands, and I think most importantly, to pray for us. I wanted to share this story with you to remind you all how blessed we are to belong to a family like this, a family founded by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for establishing this family and this ritual of remembrance that brings us together each week. Thank you for taking the enormous weight of our sins onto your sinless body and granting us redemption so that we, an imperfect people, can join you in eternal life. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. 
Lord, you were given every opportunity to deny us salvation. We are a flawed and unfaithful people, but you showed us eternal faith and allowed your blood to be poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for your sacrifice. We take this cup in remembrance of your eternal faithfulness. Amen. of ways that you can give this morning. You can, uh, first of all, drop a, an offering in the box in the foyer that's been provided for you, or you can give online. Just uh, click on that give box. I think the, fund, the fund, Fajita fundraiser also has an option to give online as well. So if you want to uh, give to that but don't necessarily want have time to stick around and eat with us uh, this afternoon, you can feel free to do that. We're going to watch in just a moment, a video about one of the great works of this church, and that is PC 101. If you are interested in belonging here, joining with us as we pursue the cause of Christ in this place, PC 101 is how you connect with this body of believers. That's going to be starting, uh, the membership class uh, will be starting next Sunday, and that's at 945 in the fellowship hall. Uh, that's in between our morning assemblies. And uh, that'll get you connected with all good things Preston Crest, how to get plugged into a, a, Bible, a small group, how to get plugged into a, a Bible class connection. Lots of other ways to get plugged in here through PC 101. We'll share with you more about that in just a moment. But let's pray now. Holy Father, we give to you. We give our money. We give our lives. We give our time. 
our love, our praises, our worship, all of these we give to you. Father, we know that you are Lord. You are Lord over viruses. You are Lord over economies. You are Lord over countries. And we invite you to be Lord over our our lives and our relationships. May we share your light. May we share your love with those around us. Father, help us to be kind. Kind with our words. We truly want to be your children and we want to live and love like Jesus. We need you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Let's watch more about PC 101. Let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. We'll sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come and share with us this morning. Bless the Lord, my soul. Oh. 
Yeah, so PC 101 next Sunday, uh, right after this service. Uh, it's about 45 minutes. Although, by the way, Barbara, I'm watching that and seeing all those pictures of all this amazing food. Yeah, I don't want to promise false things to you. There will be coffee. And there will be some donuts. Those were the old days, but it's a much shorter deal, and, uh, and I think we'll enjoy our time together. It's a, it's a time you can place membership here, or just uh, sit and have a conversation with us and learn more about this church either way. Uh, I've been, I think we've all been affected by the news from the Ukraine and stuff, and for me, like uh, growing up, my hometown church in Southwest Missouri, that was our place. The Ukraine was the church that we did. That was our mission project. That's all we ever talked about. Our preacher actually went and lived there uh, to help the work there. And, uh, and so I've just been seeing in my mind's eye some of these brothers and sisters in Christ that I got to meet over the years that would come and visit us. Uh, my dad actually went to the Ukraine once on one of these trips with the preacher. And uh, so encouraging. Uh, Sasha and Victoria, we've heard they're, they're people that we partner with at Preston Crest. We've heard they're doing okay, but they are in key. Uh, or Kiev, uh, the Ukrainians say Kiev. So, but either way, they're doing okay. But we're worried about them. Obviously, concerned about them, and we will be praying for them. Uh, we're partnering with some others over there, as you might imagine. Uh, there's Roman and Slovenia. They're going to be receiving uh, refugees and helping out with that. Dino, as always, ready to, and Debbie, ready to serve. That church in Glafada has been just amazing in the way they've served refugee populations, and they may get a new one headed their way soon. But I mean, we're just, our hearts break. There's so much good work. I remember Sasha, his work was based in Donetsk, and then the Russian in, uh, incursion or through their surrogates happened in 2014, so they pulled back uh, further to the west, and now they're in Kiev, and here come the Russians again. So we'll just, let's pray again. I don't think we can pray too much for our brothers and sisters over there. Lord Jesus, we... Uh, we just find peace in your presence. And we offer you our praise, our lives. You are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You spoke years ago during your earthly ministry of wars and rumors of wars. And you told us not to read too much into any of that. That's normal. That happens all the time. But you taught us to remember that conflict and hatred and violence have been part of this world for a long time. And you reminded your disciples in the midst of wars and rumors of wars in Matthew 24 that the gospel of the kingdom is advancing and will continue to advance in this world of troubles. This morning, we join our hearts together once again before your throne, praying for our sisters and brothers who are suffering great trials in the Ukraine. Uh, we belong to each other because of our common faith in you, Lord Jesus. We are one body, and we ask you this morning to protect them, to lift them up and encourage them by your Spirit. And we ask in your name to bring an end to the conflict, uh, to give wisdom, discernment, and a spirit of peace to the leaders who are involved right now in that situation. And we pray that you'll allow the folks, our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, to once again live in peace and freedom in their homes. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
We are back to the Belong series. This is the final week. Thank you for that shout out, Joshua, this morning. And yeah, you've gotten a chance, uh, uh, not of your own choosing, but you've gotten a chance to kind of live this in real time, what it looks like to be in crisis and be in a church family at the same time. And I don't know how people do it who don't have a church family. And let me just say, you look so much better than the last time I saw you. You had more wires hooked up to you, I think, in that room there at Presby than I've ever seen anybody hooked up to. And here you are. God is good. There is a story about a... um, a gentleman from the city who was traveling in the country one time in the middle of winter and <laughs> slick roads out there, not well-maintained roads, and his SUV hit, a, hit an icy patch and slid off into a ditch and got stuck there in some mud and some snow down in that ditch. He saw a farmhouse up at the top of the hill, and so he walked up and knocked on the door and said to that old farmer that answered the door, Sir, do you have a tractor that we could use to pull my SUV out of the ditch? And uh, that farmer said, Well, that thing's broke, hadn't worked in years, but I do have a mule, an old mule, Roy. And the gentleman said, Well, with all due respect, I don't know that that mule is going to be able to get my SUV out of the ditch. And the farmer said, you haven't met my mule. He is really, really strong. And so the three of them, those two men and that mule, walked down to that ditch, hooked that mule up to that SUV, and uh, that farmer said, okay, Roy, pull. Pull, Roy. And that mule strained and pulled, and that SUV did not move at all. And then the farmer said, Okay, Blue, Blue, you pull, you pull. Still didn't move. That farmer said, Elmer, now I want you to pull. I want you to pull. And finally, that SUV budged and slid and went all the way up onto the road. And that gentleman was so thankful. He said, thank you so much. And that mule really is amazing. But I got a question. Why does that mule have three names? And the farmer just laughed and said, he doesn't have three names, but old Roy, you see, he is completely blind, can't see a thing. And when Roy thought he was the only one pulling, he wasn't able to do it. But when Roy believed he was pulling with that team of mules, ah, he was able to find some extra energy. And I was thinking this week about us about the way that we are yoked together, connected together. It is not in our imagination. It is for real. And in this series, we've been talking about Jesus' plan for his church, for us to pull together, to work together. And there are things that we are able to survive, to push through and accomplish because we are connected. Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, And he reminded them of some of these things in chapter 4, that there are so many things that hold them together. They have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and they are to maintain the bond of unity of the Spirit. So the very Spirit of God, Paul says, is holding you together. 
And so God is working through us, his church, around us, his church, and in us, his church. And this morning, we're going to consider some words that Jesus said to that same church in Ephesus. They are encouraging words, and they are challenging words. Let's hear what Jesus said to his church in Ephesus. Chapter, uh, Revelation 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the golden lampstands. We know from other places in Revelation, this is Jesus. Okay? These are his words. And Jesus says this, Ephesians, I know your works. I know your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, you've probably got some questions, like who are the Nicolaitans? We'll get there. But first, there's some stuff I want us to talk about. Just in general, what is happening here? There are seven letters written to seven different churches. We're just talking about one of them this morning. Jesus is, uh, among his many titles, he is the great physician. He is the great healer. And it made me think as I was reading this this week uh, about our annual physicals, our health checkups. I hope you do that. You should do that if you're not doing that. Did mine recently. And if you do that regularly, you kind of know the routine. You know, you're going to weigh in You're going to get your blood pressure taken. You're going to get your temperature taken. They're probably going to run some blood tests to see how things are going in your body. And what you want out of that is, obviously, you'd like to hear good news, but, but above all, you want to hear true things. You want a faithful, honest, straightforward accounting of how you're doing. Like, does my blood pressure need some attention? Is there something else that I need to be aware of? Anything less than the truth. And you might be headed for trouble, physically speaking. Well, that's what Jesus is doing here. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's having this conversation, this checkup with a church he loves very much in Ephesus. And while it may have caused some discomfort, uh, they were words of hope. They were words of concern, words of caring. They were grounded in the fact that in that church, there were some things going well, and there were some things not going so well, that needed some things that needed to be addressed, frankly. By the way, this is interesting. 
there is actually some danger in attending church. By the way, I highly recommend attending church. Don't hear this the wrong way. But there is some danger in attending church and even in reading the Bible all of the time. They are good things. They are essential things in the life of a disciple. But if the heart is not engaged, they can actually be dangerous things because routine and ritual can replace love, can replace a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The appearance of spiritual vitality may be there, but underneath the surface, if you put the stethoscope in there close, you'll hear the heartbeat is off or faint. And so as we look at the lab results here in Revelation chapter 2, and the great physician kind of walks through the results that he's found with this church in Ephesus, let's, let's get to know the city a little bit. And it's so interesting because Ephesus, just the city, was a, really, it was kind of a lot like Dallas. I mean, it was. Ephesus was one of the more wealthy cities of that part of the world. Ephesus was a center of commerce. Four great Roman highways converged. And so it was a, it was a crossroads city. It was a market city. Just outside of town a few miles, the port was one of the busiest in the entire world. And it, by the way, some of you have actually been to Ephesus. I got a chance to go there years ago. It is still, even though people aren't living there in that ancient city, um, they're living nearby, but, but it is still amazing and gorgeous. You can still walk into the 25,000 seat stadium you can walk up and down broad avenues and see beautiful temples there. You can see what was the city of Ephesus so long ago. By the way, they had the centerpiece of Ephesus was the temple of Artemis or Diana, same thing. And this temple was four times the size of the Parthenon in Athens. Had, I think, 127 marble pillars around it. Many of them, dozens of them, were were covered in gold and encrusted with precious stones. Just an impressive, impressive city. And by the way, the church in Ephesus in its heyday had been a very impressive church. Very impressive. Um, we are told that when the gospel was preached there, we get this account in Acts chapter 19. When the gospel, when the good news was preached there, that Acts 19, verse 17, that the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. They worshiped Jesus in that city. We see that there were mass conversions in that city. And it wasn't just that people were putting their faith in Jesus kind of, kind of in a, uh, yeah, I'm going to switch over to Christianity. No, it was, it was what you would call a revival. Like Paul, I mean Luke rather, in Acts 19, documents the ways that they repented. The ways that they made adjustments in their lives. Like there had been people who had been practicing witchcraft and sorcery. And, and they like heaped up all of their books and all of, these, all of these magical, air quotes, items. And they burned them. And the value was, I mean it was just astronomical value of these goods. 
I mean, they meant it when they came to Jesus. They were determined to just line up not only their hearts, but their lives under the lordship of Jesus, to be part of his kingdom. And we're told there in Acts chapter 19, verse 20, that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Isn't that what we want here? Amen? We want at Preston Crest, we want in Dallas, for the word of the Lord to increase and to prevail mightily. And so these people had responded to the gospel by putting their faith in Jesus and by making significant changes in their lives to make sure that they were living as his disciples. Now, fast forward. Fast forward. Years have passed. In fact, the church in Ephesus was roughly the same age as our church here at Preston Crest. This congregation, about 40, 50 years. We're 50. They're probably a little bit younger, closer to 40 years back then. Um, But they have had this passion going. Uh, they, they have been serving Jesus. They've been worshiping together. And now the great physician comes along and he says, at this point there is some spiritual sickness that's crept into the body there at Ephesus. He praises their strong start. We read that. Uh, and he points out some places where some urgent uh, spiritual lifestyle changes needed to be made. So let's talk about the, I think the biggest question that pops out of that text is this group, the Nicolaitans. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? Uh, We don't know a whole lot about this group. We do know that the church had dealt with them and responded to them in a way that pleased Jesus. Uh, Scholars believe that this group, the Nicolaitans, practiced a sort of pseudo-Christianity And that the real problem with this group was that they got grace wrong. That they believed and they taught others that grace was essentially a license for you to do whatever you wanted. Since you're saved by grace, it doesn't matter how you live. And so the Nicolaitans openly practiced immorality and taught others they could do that because of the grace of Jesus. Not hard to see why this teaching caught on. With it, well, it was popular with some people. And so Jesus, in this letter we read, he praises those people, those believers in Ephesus, because they had taken a stand against this heresy, against these false teachers. And the Lord had other good things to say, by the way, in this checkout, it was, in this checkup. It wasn't all bad, was it? Um, he told them, essentially, you are a hardworking group. You are a very productive group of Christians. You're patient. Lots of ministry going on in this church. You guys really know how to put in a hard day's work for the kingdom of God. That's great. Your church bulletin. Uh, okay, he didn't actually say that, but you get the idea. The bulletin was packed with all sorts of ministry activities and everything. Way to go, Jesus said. And the way you stood up to the Nicolaitans, great job on that as well. Now for the concern, when Jesus puts that stethoscope up to the heart of that church, the heartbeat is very faint, okay? There's something wrong under the surface. So you've got this sound doctrine standing up to the false teachers, and you've got uh, a lot of service that has been going on in ministry, but there's a serious problem here. 
Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, he says, I have this against you. This is Jesus. I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. You were here, and now, another word he'll use is fallen. You are now here. The heart of the church isn't her orthodoxy, isn't her organizational structure, isn't her ministry programming. The heart of the church is her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do those other things matter? Of course they matter. They matter greatly. But without love, passion for God, compassion for people, without love, the church the body of Christ is clinically dead. Love is the heartbeat. The heartbeat of our life together as sisters and brothers, the heartbeat of our worship to the one who saved us it is the heartbeat of our ministry and our mission. And so it's important. A congregation like this one in Ephesus can believe the right things can teach the right things, can stand up against the wrong things, can serve people in ministry, and still be in a state of spiritual cardiac arrest. When it's not our love for Christ and our gratitude to Christ that drives our behaviors and our work, and our worship, uh, something's off. And it can become more about us and less about Him. So love, the heart of our walk with the Lord and the heart of the life of the church. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. So faith, hope, love, they abide. The greatest of these three is is love. So let's be clear about that, Paul said. Not everything is of equal importance. Love is at the top. Chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, 1 Corinthians. Knowledge, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something... He does not yet know as he ought to know, but anyone, if anyone loves God, he's known by God. And so a disciple or even a church family can hold correct beliefs, can have a lot of activity, good activity going on, can have quote-unquote knowledge and be in spiritual cardiac arrest. And that's what happens when love grows faint. Paul would tell the neighbors of the Ephesians, I mean right next door in Galatia, he would tell them in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself, translating out into actions that are loving And what I cherish here, as I read this, I consider these words, what I cherish about what Jesus told the Ephesians 
is that there, there's hope. I mean, this is obviously not a physician who's given up on his patient. He's not sending the Ephesian church off to palliative care or something here. There is hope when you go through a spiritual dry spell. There is hope when the heartbeat has grown faint. Jesus encourages them. You can get back to that place you fell off of. You can come back into love of me, the Father, the Spirit, and love for each other. Revelation 2.4, you can get back to your first love. So three keys in this letter to spiritual revival. And I believe they are keys to personal spiritual revival as well as congregational spiritual revival. And the first one is remembering. This is so important. Old Testament, New Testament. Remembering is one of the core habits of God's people from day one. Remember, remember, remember. He says to them, remember from where you have fallen, verse 5. So this, this place of, of passion, of intimacy with, with me, of rejoicing, of, of gratitude. Remember how, how you used to worship. Remember how you used to pray. Remember what was that place that they had fallen from. Well, we know, thanks to Luke writing it down in, in the book of Acts. We know how they responded to the gospel We know how it wasn't just with words, but it was with lives given to the kingdom of Jesus. That's how they responded. We know that it was at great cost that they followed Jesus. They were the real deal in terms of discipleship. We know that they they became so full of, of Jesus and his love that it shaped their words and their behaviors and the life of that church. Remembering. You remember those words when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. That thing is carved onto so many tables like, it's not on this one, but so many tables like this one. Do this in remembrance of me. It's about remembering. Remember, remember me. Don't make it about you. Remember my love for you. Remember my sacrifice for you at Calvary. And so when we eat the bread, when we drink from the cup, we are remembering. Remembrance always precedes revival, always precedes renewal. But there has to be repentance. Martin Luther talked about repentance as not being a one-time act. Okay, I repented, done with that. But as a daily process in the life of believers, constantly readjusting, constantly turning and, and getting back in line with God. Repent, Jesus said in verse 5. Repent, turn, and do the things you did at first. They had gotten away from some things that were important. Do those things. And I was just thinking this week, you know, our situation, 
I think the pandemic has been, well, this is an understatement of the year, I guess. Uh, it's been disruptive. <laughs> it's been very disruptive, not just on a national level, not just on all this kind of how it's affected the economy, and, and, and even not just in terms of a, of a death toll or something, but the pandemic has, has interrupted probably some really good habits. And we need to get back to those. I, I'll leave that to you what those are. I mean, I, I'm super excited that we're gathered again, that we're together again. That's a good habit that we've gotten back to. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago that just talked about how they started really leaning on alcohol during the pandemic. And so I agreed to hold this friend accountable to, to get off that, to get back to where they need to be. But I wonder, what are those things, those adjustments that we need to embrace. Repentance, places we need to turn. Renewal comes through repentance. Times of refreshing, we're told in the New Testament, come through repentance. And finally, this one's interesting. So we remember and we repent and we also receive. We receive. We have an openness to the voice of God. Uh, Jesus said this, he who has an ear. This means you, you guys who, who listen, <laughs> let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Obviously, reading the Bible is so important. And you can't hear what the Spirit says to the churches if you're not reading your Bible. But there has to be more than reading, okay? There has to be more than reading. Um, Jesus, by the way, in his earthly ministry, regularly encountered groups of people who read, read, read the scriptures, who knew, the, who could quote the scriptures, but who didn't hear. The Pharisees and the scribes, many of them, oh, they knew the Bible better than anyone else around them, and they never heard what the Spirit was saying to them. And so we read, but we read with a certain posture. What are you saying to us at Preston Crest? What are you saying to me? And so when we read, we want to understand. We want to understand, like, who are who the Nicolaitans? What does this word mean? What, what was their situation that he was addressing? We want to understand, but we also want to hear what God is saying to us. What are you talking about, Gordon? Well, simple, simple, simple. I would just say, if you're, if you're with us on this Bible reading plan, next time you read, do more than read. Just listen. Is there a word? Maybe just one word in all of that reading of the day. A word that the Spirit puts on your heart. Is there a phrase? Is there an idea that jumps off the page and in here... Hear what the Spirit is saying. Don't just read. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We've got to be in the Word for that to happen. But we've got to listen. Holy Spirit, what are you telling me? What place have I fallen from? What do I need to get back to? Or what do I need to get away from. I live for you. 
You are my first love. You are my greatest love. Speak. God speaks through his word. And we need to, we need to listen. Not just about knowledge, right? We've heard that in the word today. Not just about knowledge, but also this love and this, this desire for intimacy and to listen. What are you saying? So may the Lord Jesus invigorate our faith. May the Lord Jesus uh, enliven this body of believers at Preston Crest. May we hear what he wants us to hear. May we make the adjustments he wants us to make. May we be the people, his people, here in North Dallas. And maybe this morning for you, it's putting your faith in Christ. We would love to help you with that. Uh, talk to you about what that looks like to come to Jesus and pray with you about that. Maybe this morning it's prayers that you need. We are a praying church. Joshua talked about that this morning earlier. We are a praying church. However you need to respond, let's respond as we worship God together now. There's a fountain freezes for you and me. Let us taste the haste to free. Tis the fountain of love from the source of Scott, and thank you all for being here this morning. We hope that you were uplifted as a result of having been here. We would invite you to stick around for classes starting at 945 and then, of course, swing by the Fajita fundraiser after that. Then come back tonight at 6 o'clock where we'll continue the study of Genesis, which is a parallel study with the LTC kids. Uh, they're working through that this year as well, so I encourage you to come back tonight. As we're dismissed, if you wouldn't mind reading with me 
from Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Here's Mr.